Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Jazz Notes podcast. I'm your host, Ben Anderson. A very happy Thursday to you. Uh, maybe not the happiest of anniversaries. It is the one-year anniversary, uh, of course, of the pandemic being declared, Rudy Gobert testing positive for coronavirus and the entire NBA shutting down. At the end of this episode, I'm let you hear a conversation I had uh, with my KSL Sports colleagues, Mitch Harper, Tom Hackett, Kyle Ireland, and Trevor Allen. Uh, about what this last year has been like covering these teams, especially the Utah Jazz, what that night was like specifically trying to cover that event, uh, and how our lives have changed since then. So make sure you stay tuned for that at the end of this podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops, read me at kslsports.com. Make sure you download the KSL Sports app right now if you haven't done it. It's the easiest way to get all of our content uh, and to have this podcast delivered right to you on your phone. Every single time it comes out, super easy, really good interface, super user-friendly. I highly recommend the KSL Sports app. Uh, anyways, today the Utah Jazz officially announced Ersan Ilyasova to the media. They made the official announcement they had signed him yesterday. That news actually broke on Tuesday uh, that he was going to be signing with the Jazz. What does it mean for the team? I don't think he's expected to come in and play a huge role. And after talking to Quinn Snyder today, I feel even more so that way... Uh, you look at, A, the fact that Jazz have the number one team in the NBA. You don't need to go out and make a significant change to the roster unless you're adding a significant upgrade in talent. You know, if the Jazz had found a way to go and get, you know, Jeremy Grant or somebody who's kind of been talked about being available, Jazz don't have the pieces to do that. But if you'd gone out and added somebody like that, okay, you don't hit the restart button, but you're you're happy to retool a few things. Unless you're finding a guy like that that's an absolute difference maker, uh, you don't come in and shake up your roster. You don't come in and shake up your rotation for a guy who might not be better or significantly better than your other options. And in this case, the conversation would be, is Ersan Ilyasova a better player than George Niang? And at this point in his career, A, he's just probably not. B, the chemistry that George now has with this Jazz roster, as well as he's played over the last few seasons, the fact that he's still getting better, 
uh, I think certainly gives him the edge. And he's, I mean, he's shooting better than Ersan Ilyasova. He moves the ball better than Ersan does. So the things that the Jazz need from that reserve four spot behind Boyan Bogdanovich, George Yang does very well. And Ersan Ilyasova may be able to do them. I think the Jazz will find him uh, an opportunity to see if he can do those in limited stretches and how that can help the team. Uh, I think they would like to know if they have that extra body that they can count on and they want to get real live minutes for him on the floor. But at this point, it's certainly not urgent. And Quinn Snyder even said, as anxious as he is to contribute, speaking of Ursan, uh, that, you know, that they're going to let him have some time to adjust and figure out what the Jazz need. Remember, he hasn't played a competitive game this season, uh, and he was really washed out of the rotation for the Bucks for the second half of last season after they signed Marvin Williams. So when you consider that and that there was that four-month gap in between the season uh, when everything wrapped up a year ago today versus when it came back in July and they really started playing in August, he just hasn't played competitive, good competitive basketball in a long time. So even the idea that he'd be ready to play right away or early at this point I think is, uh, is a little foolhardy. So I think it's a nice signing. I think it's good depth. I think having a guy like Ersan Ilyasova at this point in his career as the ninth man in your rotation or 10th, if you still like uh, to play Mieoni over him, I think that's valuable. Uh, and I think that's a guy who, if something happens at a playoff game, you know, or somebody misses a game or whatever, and that's certainly still possible with uh, with COVID-19 circulating, if you lose one of those front court players, the Jazz could have found themselves actually pretty thin if either Boyan missed a game, which he very, basically never does, or if George Niang missed a game, which he really doesn't do either. But if one of those guys had missed... Uh, you would want to have an option like what Ilyasova brings, and, and he's ready to play right away. So I think that was good. I had forgotten that Justin Zanuck, the Jazz general manager, was his agent before Zanuck joined the Jazz, so there's familiarity there. Otherwise, Ersan said he had just played with Jazz players. A lot of these guys go back to their international competition, playing for their international teams. Uh, he said he knows Donovan Mitchell from the uh, World Championships, the FIBA World Cup in China a couple of years ago. Knows Boyan, knows Rudy, knows some of these guys uh, because they're long time competing in Europe. So certainly not coming in blind with no idea what to expect on this team. He said he's watched a lot of the Jazz, but uh, I also don't think he's coming in expecting to have a big role, and he's fine with that at this point in his career. What does it mean for the future? I think it actually does have two potential reasons. I don't think Boyan Bogdanovic would leave to compete for Croatia in the Olympics because there's a tournament that's going to be held uh, pretty near his hometown in Croatia to qualify. Right now, the Croatian national team isn't in the Olympics, but if they place high in this tournament or maybe they have to win this tournament uh, in late June and early July, uh, Croatia could get into the Olympics. I'm sure that would be tempting for Boyan to go play. But that would also be in the middle of the Western Conference Finals or even early in the Finals. If the Jazz are still playing, I doubt he would want to leave a chance to win a championship in the NBA to go overseas. But I have no idea. So, you know, that playing for the national team means a ton for these guys. So uh, maybe that is a little extra depth the Jazz want to have, though I think that's a little far-fetched. I don't think it's crazy to think that this could be an audition for next year if George Niang ends up fetching a decent contract and the Jazz put all their money behind bringing Mike Conley back. And that's certainly possible and would make sense. You know, Mike's a better player than George Niang. The money you're going to have to, every penny's going to matter when you're over the luxury tax, like the Jazz are going to be. So if, if George gets three, four, five million somewhere else, and the Jazz say, well, we would rather have all that money go towards bringing Mike Conley back. That's a good idea. And then you have a guy in Ersan Ilyasova who's similar to what George Niang does, maybe not as good, uh, but can probably still play 
10 or 15 minutes off the bench and give you similar production. So this might actually be an audition as much for next year as a George Niang replacement in case of a pinch as anything he could do this season. So those are my thoughts on Arison Ilyasova. Jazz back in action against the Houston Rockets Friday night. Uh, should be fun. Again, make sure to follow kslsports.com for all your coverage there. Follow me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops for my tweets throughout the games uh, and throughout the week. Uh, here's my conversation that I teased earlier with my KSL Sports colleagues about what this last year has been like, including Rudy Gobert testing positive for COVID-19 a year ago tonight. A, a couple of days prior to Rudy Gobert testing positive, he had that joke of touching all the microphones. And, you know, you're obviously front and center in that video. Just talk about the events leading up to that and then obviously what happened when Rudy tested positive. Yeah, I mean – I guess Kyle and I were the ones that were working together, and I was at home. I wasn't at Chesapeake Bay Arena, which is, you know, good now in retrospect. You look at what a nightmare that was getting back for everybody. But, you know, I mean, I guess I was just as caught as off guard as anybody was, just that we had heard that Emmanuel Moutier and, and Rudy Gobert had been sick that day. But, you know, at the time, I think there was one case, two cases in, in the state of Utah. So to, to think that, A, you know, you would have doubled that number just with jazz players alone, and it would have been the two best jazz players, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. I think it was just – it was unthinkable, even though now I look back on it, and you read some of the articles that have come out today about how there was some conversation among the writers that, that Rudy had been tested for coronavirus and the jazz couldn't rule that out. Uh, I remember getting a text from somebody who was on the road with the team, and they had said – you know, I asked how they were doing. They said, oh, I'm just trying to not get coronavirus. So – Current, like clearly it was in the conversation, you know, looking back on it, even though maybe none of us were taking it seriously, uh, very clearly it was something that was being thought about as potentially uh, getting that type of exposure, even, even, you know, that close, even uh, when we're literally just an arm's reach away from some of these guys. And then uh, Kyle, can you hear us now? Are you good? I can. Sorry. Technical difficulties still exist in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Just as I was touching on, you were there, you were, you were working that, that jazz game when uh, Rudy Gobert tested positive, just how crazy of a night was that? Yeah, I mean, it was it was insane there at the beginning because you think that it's just going to be a routine jazz game. I mean, OKC on the road, you know, the Chris Paul, Donovan Mitchell. You, you see all the just regular matchups. You think that that's what you're going to sit there and focus on for the next two and a half hours and write about. And, you know, as things kind of unfolded, it was interesting because that was a night where we kind of, you know, you were off work and, you know, it was only me and a couple other people, our sports director in the station uh, was working. So we had a, a limited team kind of working that game that night. And so uh, that kind of, you know, put a, a new wrinkle into things just in our routine for the evening. And, uh, you know, to see what happened, you know, where the game was delayed was super interesting to me because you kind of thought to yourself, like, hey, like COVID's a thing, but it's not really here yet. Like, is this it? Like, I mean, it kind of entered my mind, but it was like, nah, like it's too far fetched of an idea to actually have it be here and like have an imprint right now. And so that was, that was really interesting. I turned to our sports director, Nate Dowdle, and I was like, Nate, have you ever seen an NBA game delayed like this? Cause to my recollection, I had never seen anything like that happen. And, you know, seeing the, the fans, I mean, you've seen the videos played this week on like sports center where they've recapped that game already about, you know, announcing that the game had been postponed, fans are leaving. They showed this little girl I saw yesterday on ESPN who was crying in the stands about just, you know, not having a basketball game that night. And to think about how it was a basketball game that had been postponed to what actually resulted in is pretty crazy. The fact that we were kind of, as you know, jazz, uh, you know, reporters and 
you know, covering this team so closely that it was on the forefront. It was really interesting that night. Yeah, I guess what's crazy, too, along those lines, Kyle, is that even tonight, the president, Joe Biden's, like, honoring the, the one-year anniversary, and the only marker of that is Rudy Gobert. Like, there is not really anything other that signifies that this was the beginning of the pandemic, other than that Adam Silver decided that, that we're shutting down the NBA, and that led to so much. But now, March 11th is really kind of recognized as the anniversary of when this all began in, in the United States, and it's crazy that it was that front and center with somebody who we uh, interact with so often. Now, Mitch Harper, um, our, our BYU insider, you were in Las Vegas the week before, and you were actually going to stay because Utah was playing in the, the uh, Pac-12 tournament. UVU was getting going in, in the WAC tournament, but Nate, Nate Dowdle, our, our sports director, decided to send you, Sam Farnsworth, and Zach Hicken home a couple of days early, and I was just going to cover the Utah-Oregon State game, um, you know, from home you make it seem you make it seem like a negative like hey you got sent home you, mitch in vegas you gotta get out you gotta get well, out. you were already there for over a week and or what, what was like 10 days yeah i mean i had a residency i was you know chilling with uh mariah carey celine dion she was just down the street from me it felt like a residency yes but you know it was it's interesting you bring that up because my last media scrum of uh you know before zoom and COVID 19 was with Utah basketball, like of all things. So it's, it's kind of funny, like I'm the BYU guy, but uh, uh, my last media scrum was with Larry Kraskoviak getting ready for their Pac-12 tournament. But yeah, I mean, it was interesting, you know, going into Vegas, my wife, well, I mean, I have the KSL news radio app, KSL TV app, and I'd get the push notifications in January and February about the cruise ships and the coronavirus. But I'll admit, I kind of just didn't put much thought into it. Even um, in like late January, uh, KSL News Radio on Cougar Sports Saturday. We uh, had interrupted our Cougar, Cougar Sports Saturday show for ABC News coverage of uh, President Trump uh, talking about the coronavirus, and he was like, you know, no mask needed, all this stuff. And that was in January, and I just thought to myself, okay, like it's you know, it's like one of these other viruses. It'll probably come and go, and uh, it won't be much of a thing. And then I remember in at the Mountain West tournament in Vegas, uh, there was a, a press release sent to my email, all the media reporters about. Mountain West tournament will not be canceled. We'll be monitoring the, um, you know, safety of the student athletes and the the health environment. I can't remember the exact wording, but it was like canceling. Like that, that's that's not a thought. Like we're just so routine in our things with sports. Like this is when the conference tournaments happen. It's not going to get canceled. And obviously, the Mountain West tournament didn't get canceled. So did the the WCC. But then shortly after, everything else did go. And you kind of wonder. Uh, had Rudy Gobert not happened or, you know, the him being diagnosed, diagnosed with COVID-19, uh, how much longer does this thing go on? Do we see the NCAA tournament for a week or, you know, get into that thing uh, before, you know, ultimately something happens? So it's, it's kind of crazy, the, the timing, everything that, that took place. Now, Tom Hackett, uh, this, this did eventually have an impact on your beat with, with Real Salt Lake um, to where MLS ended up shutting down shortly after the NBA Major League Baseball, all of that. Um, did did you think this was going to be a long-lasting pandemic, or did you think it was going to go over pretty quick when you found out that everything was starting to shut down? Well, to be honest, I, I didn't have much of an idea. Um, just a few weeks prior, my wife gave birth to our first son, so I was on paternity leave, and then I was back in the office for maybe a day or two, and then we were all sent home, and then it was uh, – it was, uh, this time last year, in fact, well, the Players' Championship, which is on the television behind me, 
cancelled the tournament, which is a pretty big tournament at that, uh, effective immediately prior to the second round, which would have been uh, Friday, so, so tomorrow. And that's, for me, when, when it really hit home was the Rudy Gobert thing certainly was eye-opening, but when I saw big golf tournaments with some of the best players in the world uh, cancel, I was going to, I started scratching my head a bit and wondering um, what, what the future held. Um, Working from home, and then and then for me, like the more sporting events that were cancelled one after the other, you start thinking to yourself, you know, am I am I going to have a job here in in two months' time, or am I going to be out of work? What's what's the deal? So it, it was all a bit. Uh, it all happened pretty fast, and you know, you, you, I couldn't really. I didn't feel like I could leave my laptop for very long because I didn't know what the next event that was going to be cancelled. So I, I want to go around the horn. Uh, we already know what Kyle and Ben were doing uh, evening on March 11th, uh, 2020. But, uh, Tom, what were you doing in the evening on March 11th, 2020? Well, it was just another night for me and my wife. And, you know, we were trying to keep a baby alive and figuring out how we would to go about that. And then I started hearing news that the the jazz game was, was postponed. And then I started hearing rumblings that it was because – uh, some jazz players potentially attested positive. I, I don't think the names of Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell were mentioned for a few hours. Uh, I could be wrong. Ben and Carl could speak more to that. But I, I turned the television on quickly and uh, just went straight to ESPN. I didn't even try and find the game. I just went to ESPN. And, of course, it was the only thing they were talking about. And, and my wife and I, and I'm sure my screaming son, were sitting on the couch just trying to take take it all in and, and figure out what, what was to come. And Mitch, you were just settling in from, you know, a long visit in Las Vegas. What were you doing on that night? So March 11th, it was interesting. Get back from Vegas trip and I'm out of all places, the Utah County attorney's office, uh, (laughs) David Levitt. He was dropping, he was throwing out the case of suspicion of DUI for BYU safety, Chaz Ayu. That's right. I was in his office, me and like four other reporters, uh, one from the Deseret News and some TV people, um, we were there and I got the recorder, did some social media stuff, commentary, because the case was thrown out. And then I wanted to transcribe it and put up some articles for the website. I go down to BYU, just down the street to their Wilkinson Center uh, to kind of post up because good internet and all that. And uh, and also to, just to the things you see there. Is there someone as a BYU insider? I mean, I mean the, the little nuggets of info you find. Colby Lee likes to eat uh, an Italian BMT with what he calls extra white sauce. Uh, that's Mayo, uh, Colby. Anyway, uh, so I like to go there and, and, and work and get stuff done and, uh, you know, just, just doing my work. And then I see the NCAA tournament's not going to have fans in the stands. And I'm like, God, geez, that's not good because the plan for all of us was to go to the NCAA tournament and cover BYU and cover Utah State. And I'm thinking, well, I wonder if media will not be allowed to go. But I thought, you know, tournament's still going to happen. And then Heading home, I did a hit on KSL News Radio talking about Chaz Ayu, and then I continued to listen to news radio and just heard that the WHO declared, uh, you know, the coronavirus a pandemic. And I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, this is uh, once in a lifetime type things that we're experiencing now." And then, uh, after being a week away with without my kids, I took them out to dinner to Leatherby's, and then I remember yeah. Ben's tweets and the the I remember Tom Hanks too. Uh, had coronavirus before or was announced to have coronavirus before 
Rudy Gobert. And then I see the stuff with the Jazz. And I, instantly I'm thinking to myself, like, has everyone got the coronavirus? Rudy Gobert, Tom Hanks, what is going on? Like, am I getting, I need to get tested. There was a BYU fan at the Gonzaga game that had it. So I'm like, yeah. I'm like kind of freaking out because I didn't know anything at that point. I thought uh, if you get the coronavirus, you're going to, it's a, uh, you're going to be deathly ill and you're going to be on a ventilator is what I thought. So it's crazy. I, I mean, you look back and everything we've learned over the course of this year and to think then in that moment, everything shut down. It's, it's kind of just insane. And I remember that night just thinking we were witnessing such incredible history. And I remember writing this stuff down, these memories, because they, they just stand out just thinking to myself, cause I'm into history and, and writing things down. And I just remember like, I feel like we're living history and clearly we were. Now, I was doing the most random thing on that night. So I had just covered Utah losing to Oregon State at the buzzer, even though Plummer went off for 11 three-pointers. That was an insane game. I was coming off of that, and I was sent by my wife to go get drinks at Fizz. So I was sitting in the Fizz drive through when on the radio it came across that Rudy Gobert tested positive, the NBA shutting everything down. And I'm just sitting there in the drive-thru, you know, getting really excited to get my drink when that all happened. And I'm like, well, what's really going to happen here? So that leads me to my next point. And Ben, we're going to start with you. When, when this happened, when, when this shutdown happened, did you think we were going to be going on a year of, of all these health restrictions and protocols and things like that? Or did you think it was going to be kind of a one month, one or two month kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, we'd originally talked about the idea that we could cure this thing by just staying home for two weeks. And everyone was thinking like, oh, are we actually going to be willing to not leave our house for two weeks straight as a time as an entire country? And we never were, but still, and I'm not sure that would have changed anything. Uh, but I remember thinking, honestly, the thought in my head was, as we started getting a couple of weeks into this and realizing it wasn't coming back, just thinking, all right, let's shell the rest of the 2019-2020 basketball season so we can get back to normal in October of 2020. And just say, like, hey, let's just have a full-on 82-game season the next year. I remember really thinking, like, it's better to cancel those last, whatever, 25 games, 30 games of of the regular season and and playoffs so we can have a full year the next season. So, no, I just had no idea that and no concept that we were going to reach this long. It really felt like something they were going to be able to address in two weeks to a month. And then, you know, a couple things would adjust and we'd all be fine. But, I, I mean, I don't think anybody saw it taking this type of hold, not just of the country, but of the whole world. Yeah, now, it's, it's, it's crazy when you bring that up, Ben, because I remember, too, if, if with our job, because you were in the crossfires with not crossfires, I shouldn't say it, but like you were there at the Rudy Gobert press infamous press conference. We instantly went remote as a as a work because there were still a lot of people in society and working like they didn't go remote and virtual for maybe another week or two. And I remember, too, that night, my son's school had uh they shut down. They sent us an email that the school immediately in Murray, Murray School District, shut down because one of the the top officials in Murray, they had like an autograph session. I think it was the Jazz Celtics game that had Kalani and Whittingham there, I want to say. I, I can't remember. Uh, yeah. But they had like an autograph session with Rudy Gobert. So the school kind of panicked and everything shut down. It was just it was a whirlwind, like just from a personal standpoint. Uh, I remember just thinking like how instantly in that moment uh, with Gobert, like all, all of our lives kind of. Uh, went in a virtual world instantly, uh, whereas still there was some time for other work environments to kind of go virtual uh, days or weeks later. Well, you mentioned Ben's press conference, Mitch, or Rudy's press conference that Ben was at. And that was the crazy part for me that night after all of the, you know, putting up articles on the postponement of the game and starting to, you know, 
hear reports about Rudy Gobert testing positive and whatnot. After all that kind of settled down, Nate turned to me and was like, Hey, like you're not going to work from uh, the office tomorrow. You're going to be working from home. Cause my desk was right next to Ben's. And so he's like, okay, so Ben was, was in contact with, yeah, Ben was in contact or close contact with Rudy. I've been sitting next to Ben and we just didn't know a lot about the virus at that point in time. So in that point, it was kind of scary, just the unknowns that were around us at that at that point in time. And I think back to that night, you know, I worked a 11, 12 hour shift or whatever, and then went home two in the morning. And I had been told by my wife, you know, earlier in the day, hey, I need X, Y and Z from the grocery store on your way home. So I go to Walmart on my way home to just go pick up a few things. And the place looks like it's been ransacked. Like there's nothing anywhere. And I had no concept of toilet paper being off the shelves and anything yet. Right. And so to go into Walmart, I'm like, Hey, I can only buy five of the seven things on your list. Sorry. You know, and I'm checking out at Walmart and I'm like, Hey, like, were you guys like just super busy tonight? Like what, like what's the deal? And she's like, the cashier is like, ever since Rudy Gobert, like the report about Rudy Gobert came out at six, seven o'clock or whenever it was, it's just been like nonstop people. The shelves had been cleaned out. And I think that that's really what kickstarted it for all of the goods and everything that were, were gone. We all know about the toilet paper stuff, but I, I think that that's when it really hit me like, okay, like everybody's freaking out now because, you know, we'd all heard about the virus for months upon, you know, you know, two, three months at that point in time. But like all of a sudden when it's in your own backyard, when it's like, okay, everybody in the state of Utah knows who Rudy Gobert is like that, that becomes real for everybody. And that's when it got to be pretty crazy. Now, Tom, how has this pandemic changed the way that you've covered sports, whether it's Real Salt Lake, Tony Finau, Utah football, whatever it may be. What has this pandemic taught you about the ways that, the ways that you cover a team? Well, man. Well, I um, I hated writing about a year ago. In fact, I'd like refused to do it. Um, I remember Maddie, our beloved Maddie, who would who would often try to get me to write stories uh, in the horseshoe where we all used to work. I would stand up as soon as she started talking to me and decide to walk upstairs where I'd spend the next hour trying to find people to talk to because uh, I didn't want to write the story. Uh, but that's all I do now really is that and a few podcasts. So, look, I, I think as I look back on on the last year, it's it's for sure. It's, it's kind of uh, fast-tracked my progression as a journalist because there were months there where all of us um, and, and our other media members at, in at different organizations. I mean, we were all scratching our heads just trying to come up with anything to talk about that was unique, creative, and organic. And they were hard. Like I remember sitting, you know, at my desk right here, just going, "What on earth am I going to write today? How do I get my name out there to have people read my stories and and essentially keep my job?" So, um. I think it's fast-tracked. As hard as it's been, and I understand it's been much harder on other people that have lost their jobs and we're all very fortunate to still have ours, but at the same time, uh, I, personally for me it's been tricky because 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 there, there just wasn't much to write about for a while there besides cancellations of tournaments and games and leagues. and um, But but it certainly, it certainly made me uh, more creative, made me think harder, made me work harder. Um, and in that sense, I'm grateful for it. But, but yeah, I think I'm getting to a point now where 
if you would ask my wife, I'm getting a bit grumpy and I think I'm ready for life to, to kind of return. I agree though, Tom, I think it was a good crack. Cause I just come over from radio and I, you know, I was, you know, kind of just started doing this full time in March, right before everything shut down. And it was the same thing. We were learning how to, you know, the Mike Conley horse tournament and Donovan Mitchell being in the NBA 2K tournament. Like, honestly, uh, it was a good way to learn how to figure out, like, how do you take 15 minutes of action that they show and turn it into a full story or turn it into a week's worth of stories? And it's a good just crash course and baptism and how to figure out how to write, how to cover news and how to, you know, find the story within kind of the bigger, broader picture to find something, maybe a more unique angle. So I think you and I, Tom, had probably had a very similar experience. Mm. I, I I know that I had to get really creative on the Ute beat to the point where I did something that I probably wouldn't have done if I was in the middle of a pandemic where I had guys from the 2004 and 2008 teams and we did this great Ute debate to find out which Utah football team was better. And even though we didn't figure out which team was better, that was one of the highlights of my of my career. And I also got to talk to Urban Meyer, which if, if this was to happen during, you know, in a normal year, I probably wouldn't have been able to get the, the chance to talk to him. But with all the rumors of, you know, spring football potentially happening and, you know, the Pac-12 was following the Big Ten's coattails and all that stuff. I mean, if, if I if I could go as soon as this is all over, if I can go the rest of my career without writing canceled or postponed anywhere, whether it's a text, a story or anything, I'll be a happy man. How long do you guys think we still have to deal with that? I mean, we got a Duke game canceled today. Do you think next season we're still seeing games get canceled? Probably not next season, at least in the fall. I actually think probably by July, hopefully, we'll be able to be back to normal because there's a lot of these organizations who think that they can you know, go back to normal. I mean, Jerry Jones is thinking that by next season, all, all the Cowboys fans will be able to pile into that ginormous stadium in Arlington. Yeah, I think I think hopefully the the ideal spot is you know August September we're seeing it in the clear. Uh, you know, I think it, locally it's been nice to see uh, it, the narrative from our you know local governor that uh, he's optimistic by July fourth we're kind of back to normal. So hopefully we definitely wish for that. But for me, I mean, as far as changing my job, I, I think that uh, at first it was kind of a I, I loved it uh, because these uh, I loved the uh, picking up. Uh, I missed the NCAA tournament. I was really sad about that. But I was like, I loved uh, kind of finishing a closing loose ends on projects that uh, I had had and, and kind of um, like just the minutia. I mean, the, the Mitchites out there, you, you understand what I'm talking about, like the, the game grades and just going into like, here we go, finding out the you old know, Zach Wilson's arm angles at certain, you know, like I just fine tuned that and, and really had a deeper knowledge for the 2020 football season and, and it paid off. But I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, the zoom's a real thing. I think that's one thing that uh, I've learned is that uh, that's going to be something I think that will probably continue uh, in a lot of ways. And it, it's been kind of nice. I mean, in some, some aspects where me living in Murray going to Provo, like it's, it saved a lot for me on terms of gas and time and, and efficiency. But uh, I miss that, that human interaction and being there. And I think that it will get back to that soon. I think a lot of people miss that. I think we're realizing that, but uh I think Zoom for the foreseeable future, at least another year, in my opinion, is kind of going to be the the standard operating procedure, I think, for uh, these teams. And that's OK. I mean, I, I miss that uh, face to face because it's just a different dynamic when you're right there with someone in a one on one setting. But, uh, I, you know, making the most of it. And we're, we're, we're definitely blessed to, to work at a place like KSL where we have the tools to still succeed in this unique environment. And not only that, still have jobs, because I know that we have a lot of colleagues here that are, you know, going through problems like that. 
where they they lose their jobs because of, of budget cuts and things like that too. So it's obviously fortunate in that realm. But uh, guys, any, any final thoughts? I mean, it's crazy to think that we, it's been a year already. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll also get a quote off of what Larry Larry Kraskoviak said last night after Utah's win in the Pac-12 tournament over Washington that this pandemic in this last year has seemed like dog years in you know some some shape or form where it's t- you know been about seven years off um kyle I, I i know that you and i have had to get creative as well as far as the digital producer side of things but ha- has this has this changed the way that you cover sports yeah i mean i think it's changed everybody's lives obviously right like i mean it's impacted every single person in the country in some form or fashion right whether or not you know it's big or small people have lost loved ones all of those types of things and so um, the, the thing that it's helped me with is perspective and I don't want to go like, so like philosophical or anything, but like, it is cool that it has given us like the ability to like appreciate things. Like I never thought that I would appreciate watching a soccer game in the middle of July. Like I did last July when I finally was like, Oh my gosh, like we have sports back again. Um, I, I just remember when the NBA kicked off in the bubble and when the NFL season started and just being able to have some sort of normalcy, even though we're still in the middle of a pandemic, like to be able to have the perspective to like appreciate those things is something that I've really, you know, grown to become grateful for. And that doesn't mean that life still isn't difficult and hard in certain ways. And like, yeah, like if I had to go back and like give up the pros that have come out of the pandemic to have life back to normal um, to how it was in 2019, 2018 and beyond, you know, before that, you know, I would give those things up in a heartbeat because, you know, we all miss the the normalcy of what our lives have been and not just covering sports, but just, you know, being able to go out to, you know, the movies or a restaurant or whatnot. But um, as far as sports is concerned, I think moving forward and to Mitch's point, you know, like Zoom calls and like that kind of being a standard for, you know, interacting with athletes and teams and stuff like some of those things are pros for the teams and they're cons for us. And, you know, I think that, there's going to be negatives and, you know, positives moving forward, just depending on, you know, what we had as a normal before. So there's going to be that new normal, but I'm looking forward to, you know, hopefully later on this year where we kind of get back to, you know, it'll be cool to like go into the office and like sit in our little bullpen and, you know, at our desks and write stories. And then, you know, Hey, turn around. Did you just see this tweet? You know, like I missed those types of things. Um, but as far as covering sports has gone, like we've all kind of adapted and adjusted and just like these leagues have, you know, adapted and adjusted their schedules, you know, we found a way to, you know, wake up tomorrow and, you know, like things continue on life moves on. And so perspective is kind of one thing that's really come out of this for me. I will never take for granted a late November BYU football game against an obscure FCS team that you've never heard of. I appreciate yeah. it more than ever. North Alabama, bring it on. Like, it's better than just sitting out and not playing football. So exactly. that right there was a lesson for me. So, like, yeah. just enjoying the journey of sports, like seeing a buzzer beater earlier today in the conference tournaments, like, yes, like, that's what we missed last year. We had it taken away by the virus. We're getting it back. We're, we're fighting back. We're getting back to normal. I, I love to see it and uh, can't wait till we're all back to – just all being together, hanging out, going to sporting events, seeing fans, interacting with them, and uh, interacting with these players and coaches in person again. It'll, it'll be a great day. And I will definitely add, add to Mitch's comment about football because I only I only got to cover five Utah football games um, rather than seven, and Mitch got to cover what twelve. 
And, right. you know, and, and you know, the fact that you were going in September on Labor Day and I'm sitting here waiting for the first of November for Utah to play is wild enough as it is. And I, I, I know Tom's in that same boat, right, Tom? I am. Yeah, no, I, I do miss it. Although I do, I do also appreciate um, working from home. I think what the pandemic's taught me is that you don't need to spend nine hours a day at a desk, staring at a computer screen, trying to find things to do. You can be just as productive at home, uh, save money on lunch, you know, wipe a baby's bottom when it needs to be wiped, not have to pay for childcare, all that good stuff. Um, I miss Crownburg. I miss the Crownburger trips, Tom. I miss going to Crownburg with you guys. Yes, I know those fries. Those fries can play. Um, But the other thing I hope it's taught all of us is, like, yeah, I felt felt as though not just in America, in the world, like there's this narrative that, you know, if you're working and you and you become sick, you just get the cold. You know, it's like frowned upon to not go to work. Like, no, no, it's it's okay. If you're not feeling well, just stay home. And especially I think considering what we've all been through the past year, like we can be productive from home. So if you work, let's not put everybody else at jeopardy and just work from home. Um I think I, I hope at least, you know, we we've all learned that lesson as well. But Gents, I'm sorry. I, I just got an email from RSL, so I'm going to have to love you and leave you. It's well, we were question. actually going to wrap up anyway. I was just going to say, you know, even though we're a year, uh, uh, you know, past when this happened, doesn't mean the work stops. So we're going to keep going on what, you know, the big storylines in the, in the state of Utah. And so I, I encourage all of you to download the KSL Sports app. It's powered by University Federal Credit Union. Thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been the KSL Sports front page. <music> I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.